Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back. I am Jamie Shaw. I'm with my co host, Scott Spinelli, and this is The Breakdown. Scott, how's it going today? Excellent, Jamie. Great to see you. I look forward to uh, working with you again tonight as we get into uh, the NC State Wolfpack. And before we dive into the Wolfpack, let's let the listeners know who we are, who they're listening to, who they're trusting with their information. My name is Jamie Shaw, National Recruiting Analyst at Rivals.com. I am the author of the ABC Basketball Scouting Report, NCAA Compliance Scouting Report that goes out to hundreds of college coaches um, throughout the country, one of the largest, most subscribed to services out there. Scott, why don't you introduce yourself? Jamie, uh, I've had the opportunity and the good fortune to coach at every level of basketball over the last 20 plus years. Um, when I graduated college, I got right into uh, prep school coaching and was uh, had an opportunity to coach uh, as a head coach at two different prep schools and have worked my way up the ranks at pretty much working at every level of division one, uh, some pro uh, experience as well, um, as well as some head coaching experience at the high division one level. So kind of done the whole gamut and uh, had an opportunity to move around quite a bit. And with that, we've met a lot of wonderful people and established a great network along the way um, as, as you and I met through this process uh, in recruiting as well. So uh, um Great to be here again with you, Jamie. Absolutely. And before we jump into the NC State Wolfpack, I ask if you would please, we've done an entire series on this podcast introducing ACC teams to you. So go back and listen to some previous ones. And I ask, too, that you please go ahead and subscribe, whether you're listening to it on the on the podcast or you're listening to it on the YouTube version. Please subscribe um, to our channel and uh, give us a five-star rating if you're listening to the podcast. And we want to hear in the comments section below. What do you think of NC State? Who's your favorite NC State player of all time? What do you think of this year's team and all that? So please go ahead and give us some feedback and let us know um, and all that. That really helps us uh, in the rankings and gets this uh, podcast out to more people. But let's jump right into it. NC State Wolfpack. They're coming off of a 9-8 and eight, uh, year last year, the ninth place finish um, in the league. They lose uh, DJ Futterberg and Devin Daniels to graduation, uh, two, two starters from them. They also lose Shaquille Moore, Braxton Beverly, two guards uh, who are in the rotation to transfer as Beverly went to Eastern Kentucky, Shaquille Moore on to Mississippi State. Keats is in his fifth year here at NC State. He is 153-75 and 75 overall uh, with one NCAA turn- tournament appearance. Um, in the last five years, Scott, having spent the last five years in the ACC coaching against NC State and Kevin Keats and his teams and everything, what are some things that you could tell us about Ke- a Keats-led team and the identity or, or what it is that the Keats-led teams bring to the table? Well, Coach Keats and his staff have kind of established an identity of playing on both ends uh, faster than some of the other traditional powerhouse teams that we've talked about, Um, you know, a la Virginia, a la Clemson. NC State really wants to increase possessions throughout the game. They want to do it on both ends of the floor. What Coach Keats has done is established multiple pressure defenses, whether he's in a full court, three-quarter court, uh, man, two-two-one, run and jump type system, uh, or whether he's in the half court, you know, really pressuring the basketball and getting up and making it hard. Uh, he really, really emphasizes pressure defense. On the other side of the ball, offensively, they really want to transition. They want to get out and they want to run. They want to play fast. Um, if there's nothing out of transition, they'll go right into some of their secondary actions. 
but again, not really holding the ball long. They will create matchups on offense, matchup uh, advantages if there's a lot of switching. I know they hurt us in, in the past, and I've seen them do that to quite a bit of teams, sort of like the NBA thing. But again, he's established a faster style on both ends of the floor, Jamie. Looking at this year's team and everything, as we said, we, they lost four rotational players. But what they do return this year is Jer- Jericho Helms, the senior. He's the experienced player. He knows what Keats wants. He knows what the ACC brings. Um, we've talked a lot in these podcasts about getting older. Um, Helms last year, uh, 12.9 points. He shot 38% from three, the six-foot-six wing kind of forward um, as they play. What have, what have you seen from Helms, and, and what does he kind of bring to the table? To your point, Jamie, I, I believe him to be kind of like the staple this year. He's that guy on both ends of the floor that gonna, they're going to lean on him for leadership uh, and to lead by example. Uh, over the last you know couple of years that I've seen him, he's a guy that can do it at all three levels offensively. Uh, he shoots the three. Uh, he'll exploit a matchup uh, offensively. He'll take you off the dribble. He'll put foul pressure on you. On the other side of the ball, he is a guy that's very versatile defensively. I've seen him guard, you know, ones point guards, and I've seen him switch on to big guys where he's very physical. Uh, he plays very hard. And again, you know, to the style to that we talk about system fits, he fits that versatile guy that can play multiple positions, guard multiple positions and within a system that wants to play fast like that. Speaking still toward that kind of versatile forward role, the possible breakout player of the year for NC State, Darion Sebron, six foot seven, redshirt sophomore. To this point already, he's averaging a double double, um, you know, with 19 and a half points, 10 and a half rebounds per game, two assists as well. He's got a lot of versatility and wiggle in his game with his size and um, ability to defend and stuff. Uh, what can we expect, Scott, coming from Darion Sebron this season? Well, Jamie, and, and you made this point earlier with all of those losses, those significant losses of last year. Uh, you're talking about Funderburg. Um, we haven't yet talked about it. I mean, unfortunately, Bates uh, with the injury is going to be out uh, for the entire season. And our prayers and thoughts go out with him and the NC State family. Hopefully, he's going to be okay. But losing those two guys, one, you know, obviously through injury and then uh, Funderburg and then the transfers that you mentioned, you know, this is kind of, you know, Sebron and Helm's team, right? Those two guys are going to be the heart and soul. Uh, of this year's team. And with Sebron, you're talking about a guy that plays with incredible energy on both ends of the floor. He's got a big time motor. Um, You know, he really wants to attack the basket. He puts a lot of foul pressure on you. Uh, He's a matchup problem. If he's got a bigger guy, he'll take you away from the basket uh, and drive it. If he's got a smaller guy, he'll go perimeter to post on you, but he really wants to get to the basket. And again, because of his size and his strength and his, uh, versatility. He is a tough matchup. And I, again, if those two guys, Sebron and Helms, and we'll talk about, you know, some of the other guys here in a second, uh, lead by example on both ends of the floor with, again, system fits, versatility, play fast, uh, guys that want to really get after it and create some offense through the defense. Those two guys are going to be keys this year for NC State if they want to move up in the ACC standings. You talk about Manny Bates, and he was going to be such a big part of what this team was. He himself was going to be a breakout type of player uh, moving forward into the season. He just had shoulder surgery and is going to have to be out uh, for the year now. Jalen Gibson and Ebenezer Duona coming in 
are going to have to play big minutes and, and fill in for the role of what Manny Bates brought to the table. What do you see from these two players with Ebenezer and Gibson? Um, and, and what will they need to do in order to fit in uh, for Bates? Well, losing Bates, you're arguably losing the premier or the elite shot blocker returning in the ACC. Uh, both Ebenezer and Gibson, I mean, they're both going to have to now, um, almost as a collective two-man group, give as much as they could to, to kind of offset the, the loss of Bates. Now, again, neither one of them are that type of shot blocker. I think Ebenezer is more of a physical guy. You know, he's, he's more rugged. Uh, in terms of how he is as a five man. Um, but, you know, Gibson's a lot more skilled, but again, both two, those two guys are going to have to make up for as much as they can. But Bates is a very tough loss for NC state this year. Anytime you lose a rim protector um, that could do what he could do. Um, again, that really affects your pressure defenses and how they want to play now because you got no one really at the rim that can protect. Although these two guys, I think will get better. Uh, Jamie, they're going to get better because they're going to have to get better. They're going to have to play. Uh, they're going to have to play through mistakes, watch a lot of film. And, and Coach Keats and his staff do an unbelievable job at improving their guys along the way. These guys, unfortunately, aren't going to have as much time to kind of sit and learn. They're going to be thrust into action and have to learn to their mistakes. And you talk about their pressure defense that they play. Keats has traditionally liked to throw multiple defensive at you. They, they want to create turnovers. They want to get you playing really, really fast, um, you know, to, to where they throw a lot of guys at you up top and then protect the rim uh, down toward uh, the basket. Having scouted against Keats for the last five years and, and, and going against him and being in the situation in the moment on the sidelines, what is the identity of Keats's defense and what do you see Keats' concepts that he tries to do on the defensive end of the floor? Well, he, again, he came from that coach Patino, um, you know, system and he has multiple pressure defenses, Jamie, um, that he likes to implement game to game. Um, at one point, the two, two, one was a big part uh, of what they were doing it was kind of like a three quarter court, uh, two, two, one type pressure defense. They always have had that. They've used it more. Um, again, this year is, is only two games in, but you know, I'd like to get in and show you some of the multiple packages that they have within their defense to create turnovers, to get the game playing faster. And I think one of the biggest, um, you know, uh, under, uh, I should say, one of the, one of the and Jamie, JC made to cut that out, but one of the biggest uh, misconceptions about pressing is it, there always has to be a steal, right? And we've talked about this. If you're trying to press at times, or pressure defensively, you're trying to increase possessions during the game. So even if somebody takes a quick shot and it's not a good shot, you know, they could equate that to a turnover off the rim and they could run. Uh, it could be a situation where, you know, a team pulls it out and it has to get into their offense with less time on the clock. So pressure defenses uh, do a lot more than just, uh, you know, be, they're not just successful when they steal the ball. There's a lot of different components that contribute the pressure defense's success. So now let's talk a little bit about the multiple defenses that they actually run and how they try to increase possessions doing that. Here's an example of them now trapping, okay, a step-up ball screen. And what they do is when they trap now, now watch here, you have interceptor up top here. Um, I believe that's Sebron. You have the big in a position down low where although he's the goaltender, 
he's in a spot where he can kind of just take that away. And then the interceptor has two guys above him, which is Helms. So again, great trap here. They close it. It's high hands. Now he's got to throw this pass off his back foot and he puts a little too much air under it where now it gives Helms time to, to, to intercept it as, as we've talked about interceptor uh, and then transition this right into an easy opportunity for them to score a bucket. Uh, again, NC State thrives off turnovers and transition uh, buckets offensively by creating some offense through their defense. Here's a, one of their multiple uh, pressure situations. This is kind of their 2-2-1 um, where they'll make it at times hard for you to get the ball in. And what happens here is – you know, there's nobody below the line of the ball. Um, and they really only have, you know, they have outlets, but they're up the floor. They're not in position, um, you know, where they, they can, you know, make themselves available. So NC State just kind of runs at the ball here and moves their backline guys up and aggressively attacking it. And with their 2-2-1, two, two, like, like any of their other defense, they'll create that and try to get an easy opportunity. Here's an example of their 2-2-1 and really kind of what they want to do out of it, right? They want to keep you on the sideline. And what they want to do is they want to come kind of from behind to trap you here. And so as a coach, the best places to trap in any uh, full court, three-quarter court, run and jump is either that one step before half or one step over. And the reasons are very simple. If you, if you trap before they get over half, you're obviously on the clock as, as another ally of yours, a, kind of a sixth defender, because you only have 10 seconds to get the ball over. If you do go into the front court, now you have to keep the ball in the front court. So your sixth defender becomes the half court line and you can't throw the ball back. So ideally, as any coach watching, you want to trap one step before half or one step over half. And in this case here, again, uh, pretty good trap. They, they throw back, which is okay. They stay in it. And, you know, now they're in a position where now you're kind of making the offense play um, a little different than maybe some teams want to play, maybe getting them out of their comfort zone. And it turns into another turnover. Here's a little kind of shortstop, what you call shortstop, where you take the inbounders, man, and you kind of face guard. Teams use this for multiple reasons. One, they could deny uh, the point guard or the best player the ball, um, you know, or they might be doing it so when they do make the pass, they want the inbounder to get the ball back and make him handle it. Uh, I've, we've seen it a couple different ways over the years. In NC State's case here, they're just trying to make it hard to get the ball in and create, again, tempo. And, it, you know, here they are again, you know, where they're picking up now. They just come from behind. Uh, they tip it, and then they look to transition that uh, as quickly as they can to the basket and to points. And when you play this style, it is so important. Coach Keach and his staff have done a great job of recruiting system fits. Guys who are versatile, uh, who are aggressive, high motor, uh, great instincts, um, can play multiple positions and have that mindset that they want to uh, be relentless uh, for 40 minutes defensively, uh, and to create as many opportunities as they can for easy baskets from their defense.
And with the defense and everything they're trying to run, in order to win in college basketball, you have to have guard play. Starting at point guard this year is going to be Cam Hayes, the sophomore, uh, coming back. He averaged 7.8 points per game last year, 3.1 assists. Greensboro Day kid, he was a top 150 recruit coming out of high school um, as a freshman. He stayed at NC State. The ball will be in his hands this season. What does Cam Hayes bring to the table? Winner. I mean, he's a winner, and he's a guy that I believe to be uh, kind of transforming into that mindset of just being a point guard. He's always been a guy that could shoot the three-point shot. Uh, this year, he's going to have to be a, more of a not only a three-point shooter, he's going to have to facilitate. Um, and again, like we've talked about, you know, any of these pressure defensive situations, usually your point guard has to be the head of the, the snake. And he's got to be out there really pressuring the basketball. And he's got great length. He's got great size. Um, he's gotten stronger, you know, from, from one year to the next year. Um, but look for him to be a guy that really is counted on, not just to make shots, not just to, uh, to be out there offensively, you know, to, to get his own. He's going to have to facilitate, make others better, and also pick up the intensity defensively. Uh, as that point guard has to do in any of their pressure defensive packages. With the loss of four players coming from last year's rotation, some newcomers are going to have to be relied upon. They have two transfers and a freshman that will be playing heavy minutes for them this year. We'll start with the two transfers. One of them, Greg Gant, coming from Providence. He's still dealing with the, with the hernia situation. He hasn't played yet, and, and the injury um, is still ongoing. He's, he's easing back. He's getting into the – you know, he's moving around a little bit now. So, timetable is uncertain, but they'll rely upon him once he comes in. And then Casey Morsell, who played huge in their uh, game against Colgate this past weekend. Uh, six foot three guard out of the University of Virginia. Both of these guys will be in their third year of college juniors. Explain a little bit, talk a little bit about what Morsell and Gant will bring to this team um, with their experience. Gant, who I've seen quite a bit since high school, he actually this year with Bates now uh, being out for the season, Gant has that ability to be a presence at the rim now. He's long, uh, you know, he's athletic. Although he's not as big as Bates, you know, again, we've talked about basketball players in terms of measuring them from their feet to their head. And usually we should we should be measuring them from their feet to their wingspan because Gant has extremely uh, great length um, in terms of his size. And he'll be a guy that I believe to be a president of the rim. He's active. He's talented. He's oozing with potential. Um, he'll be counted on to play maybe an undersized at times. They can go small. He's a very versatile guy, once again, that can play multiple positions. Uh, I think he's a great system fit for what Coach Keats and his staff are trying to do. And Morsell, look, he I've seen him when I was coaching at Maryland. He was a kid that, um, you know, when he was really young. And then I saw him through my time here recruiting the DMB uh, in high school. And he was a very gifted scorer. And there were times, even at, again, at Virginia, that he was phenomenal. And, you know, Jamie, it's one of those things where I think, again, appealing or trying to, you know, get connect with the audience here, younger audience, sometimes you go through some struggles. And a kid like Morsell, who really hadn't struggled much, uh, especially offensively in high school, there were times I, I think that he lost a little bit of his mojo and swagger because he wasn't making shots. And that happens with young players. Uh, the biggest and the best message would be this. 
you know, do not judge yourself by being successful just because you're making shots. Be that guy that understands that defensively, you know, you get yourself going on that end. It's a lot easier. It takes the pressure off you on offense. But again, Morsell, very talented offensive player. He has probably one of the best one or two dribble pull-ups going right. Um, you know, goes left also with it, but going right, he's as, he's as efficient a uh, pull-up shooter as I've seen over the last 20 plus years, uh, has extended his range. Again, he's coming from UVA. So, you know, he's been taught how to defend on the ball, in the gaps, two passes away. So look for Morcell to be a guy, again, within this style, in terms of increased possessions, uh, is going to be counted on to, to, to provide a lot more scoring um, this year for NC State with his versatility uh, in pressure defenses also. The third newcomer uh, to the system that's going to log big minutes, freshman Terquavion Smith, absolute pure electricity. Um, in his final three years of high school, uh, he won three state championships and only lost two games in three years. Um, he was a top 150-type player. Uh, he's a shooting guard. Uh, he's playing that six-man heat-em-up role coming off the bench so far, um, it seems, for them. And his confidence might be his best attribute on the floor. Um, what are you seeing from Terquavion Smith, and how does he kind of how, how does his confident game kind of fit into this team? Well, with Jaquavion, you know, we've seen him through AAU and high school, right? And he's a kid that can really light up the scoreboard uh, and really get it going. And to your point, uh, I think some of that too kind of translates to this level because he's one of those guys where he's not going to be afraid of playing uh, in, in any venue against any. Um, player or, you know, supposed, um, you know, all, all conference ACC guy, he's not backing down from any of these guys. And I think to, you know, what you said about his confidence and his belief are really important qualities that translate. And again, I'm not sure he's ever going to put up the numbers that he put up, you know, in high school, at least I know for a fact this year he won't, but I think as he continues to get stronger um, you know, continues to, to, to get, you know, acclimated to the, to the division one level in terms of how every possession is important. Um, he's a guy that I think could bring a lot of uh, electricity, be a, a lot of fun to watch through his time at, uh, at, at NC state, but a gifted uh, offensive player and a, and a guy, like you said, that plays with exceptional confidence and swagger. Speaking of the offensive side of the basketball so much of Keats' identity and what he does at NC State is wrapped up on the defensive end of the floor, the identity of what they try to do. A team that is so focused on defense that, you know, whether or not he plays players determines whether they can play defense or not. But with so much wrapped up on the defensive side of the floor, what type of offensive concepts and what type of stuff does he try to do on his identity on the offensive end of the floor? Well, it starts from the defense to offense, right? So they're trying to turn you over. They're trying to get you to play at a faster pace. Um, again, we talked about it's not just turning you over. It's trying to get the other team to take quicker shots. And with all of that, you know, comes their opportunity on primary break situations, which means advantage breaks or secondary break situations where they could come down and get right into a, you know, a drag ball screen and really try to score quickly out of their transition stuff. Uh, from there, uh, Jamie, they'll get into some half-court stuff. We'll talk about that in a second. But what I'd like to do here is to show NC State and how they quickly can turn 
a turnover from their defense into offense. As we speak today, they're averaging 18.3 points per game off of turnovers this season. And here's a great example of it. In this game, in this possession here, you're going to see um, in a possession where the ball actually goes to the post and Helms does a really good job as his man speed cuts through. He actually comes down and actually swipes at the ball and watch how fast they create some offense through their defense. I mean, all those guys are kind of seasoned and really uh, it's ingrained in them. As soon as they can get a turnover, they want to transition to the other end uh, and score as quickly as they possibly can. So in that clip there, you showed a great example of how fast they can turn um, offense from their defense. In this next possession here, you're going to see, again, they want to play fast. They want to increase possessions. This is off a, a missed shot here. And what happens is, watch, this is Sebron, okay? Number one is Sebron. And again, uh, kind of a versatile forward, but he gets the rebound. So some teams are predicated on having their point guards or their two men always leading the break. In NC State's case, because of their system fits and their versatility, um, you know, Sebron, who could play anywhere from the three to four, he just gets the ball and busts it out. And this is Jaquavion Smith here in a position where, again, he sets his feet, really good pass by Sebron, and an uncontested three-point shot in rhythm. Again, transition to, to an open three. Um, this first offensive in the half-court set will be kind of a multiple ball screen set. And, and, and I kind of want to show something here to the audience, okay? So this off this rebound, you know, the team they're playing, Colgate, is back, and their defense is kind of set right now in transition. But what happens is NC State is trying to run it first primary. When you're talking about primary break, you're talking about taking advantage of the defense. Maybe somebody's not back. Maybe you have, you're outnumbering them. But when the defense is set, and here they run right from their primary, which they didn't have anything, uh, with a drag ball screen here, random, they now run into another ball screen situation, which again, talking a little bit more about how to play from primary to secondary break. So what happened here was NC State originally set forth to try to score off their primary break. They didn't have anything, and they ran right into their secondary action. And in this case, they terminate with a step-up ball screen, butt to the baseline, and the, the point of ball screen defender here in terms of guarding the big for Colgate is too far off. So now Cam Hayes just takes it, kind of cuts through the middle, and finishes you know, to the basket with an easy shot. And so, again, sometimes you get caught up as a coach in thinking what's primary, what's secondary. Well, that was a great example of a team that really wanted to run primary advantage type situation, didn't have anything, and it just – they flow right into their secondary actions. And that's really hard because now the defense doesn't have a lot of time to set up. Great teaching point uh, for a lot of coaches. Um, Here's an example here where NC State, again, very well coached by Coach Keach and his staff. And what they do is they want to put the ball, in this case, in, in Aaron Sebron's hands, one of their best players. And so they run a little dribble handoff, and they kind of circle Sebron off of this where he catches the handoff, 
And now he's going to catch it in a position where he can play downhill, playing to his strengths. Sebron is as good of of a player offensively going downhill as anybody uh, in the country. Great execution. um, And, you know, you can see what the, you know, what the results are, are an easy opportunity for an easy basket. Keats on this year's team is going to want to play eight, nine, even 10 guys throughout the course of a game. He'll get them in the rotation, play the hot hand and just keep them rotated in so they can keep that defense going. Two freshmen, two more freshmen that he has. Um, one of them is a little bit more developmental and Ernest Ross, the top 100 player out of Florida, but Breon pass has entered himself into, into the possible rotation. And then another transfer that they had come in. He didn't transfer this year. He transferred in last year, a guy you're very familiar with who ended his high school career up at Brewster Academy, started off in Nebraska. Then he transferred back home to NC state, Thomas Allen. Um, Talk about the two freshmen a little bit, what you know about Ernest Ross, what you know about Breon pass and then what Thomas Allen brings to the table as well. Well, if it's okay, let me start with Thomas Allen, just because I've seen him so much uh, throughout his time at Brewster Academy. Um, and then obviously he was at Nebraska, um, saw quite a bit in AU basketball, but he was, people don't, people, you know, maybe forget though, he was the NEPSAC, the New England Prep School Athletic Conference Player of the Year out of Brewster. Uh, excellent three-point shooter, somebody that really can get it going. And again, I believe him to be counted on this year a lot more in terms of a guy that can score the ball, especially making those three-point shots, just because of what they lost uh, with Funderburg, um, you know, Beverly, um, and um, was the other kid? No, not the no the other kid from Devin uh, Daniels, Utah, and Daniels. Let me start that again, so we don't we get it all together. I feel like Tom. Uh, let's see. Oh my God, Thomas Allen. Yeah, I feel like Thomas Allen is going to be counted on a lot more this year because of the losses. I mean, losing uh, somebody like Daniels, who was, you know, so gifted. Um, you lost Beverly, three-point shooter. And then Funderburg, you know, was, you know, a, just a man down the post. So you could really score or, or draw fouls. You know, they're going to be counting on somebody like Thomas Allen this year to make threes. Um, so, again, very important for him to be, somebody that's consistent this year for NC State as they continue their quest uh, to move up the standings. The two freshmen that you just mentioned, Breon Pass, I've seen a lot of Breon, and I've seen him on you know live, and I've seen him you know on film. And he's a guy that, again, with his football background, uh, was a kid that physically kind of reminded me a lot of Bowman, Kai Bowman, the kid that we had at North Carolina, just in terms of his mindset. Very aggressive. Uh, he gets after you defensively. He plays the game, you know, you know, with a tremendous, you know, uh, speed, and he really wants to get up and down the floor. Um, aggressive type mindset, uh, and again, he shoots the three. He's a very deceptive uh, offensive guy in terms of being a guy that can not only pressure you defensively, but he can make shots um, and get to the basket, especially with his body uh, gets into you with his physicality. A guy that can really make a difference this year for NC State. And I think he'll get better as the year goes. Um, The other young man, Ernest Ross, coming out of Florida, uh, again, very thin, skilled, um, you know, can step out and shoot mid-range jump shots. He's going to have to get a lot stronger, which, again, NC State coach, you know, uh, uh, Keats and his staff have done a really nice job of getting those guys uh, with the the weight training and strength and conditioning and nutrition. He'll bulk up. But again, he's going to need to get a lot stronger, but he is a skilled, more of a skilled guy 
uh, at least right now, with a quick first step rip and drive uh, from that high post area. But both guys will help. Um, if NC State's going to make that move, though, it's going to be these veteran guys and these transfers that are going to really have to elevate their games. Talking about Thomas Allen a little bit earlier got me thinking. Obviously, he played with the Garner Road AAU program. Garner Road is the Adidas program local here to Raleigh, North Carolina, where NC State's at. Also playing with that Garner Road program was Jerome Robinson, a player that you're very familiar with, um, a guy from Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I think Boston College beat out maybe Richmond uh, for him, and I don't think Richmond was pressing to get him. I think they took somebody else, and, and, and you know, he just kind of um, did that. Played, played for three years at Boston College in the ACC, ended up being a lottery pick. Um, I love our talks about development. Um, this is somebody that you and I both had watched a lot of. We would be sitting in the stands, the only coach and scout sitting in the stands watching this guy, and we would walk out the door saying, this guy's a pro. Um, his skill set was unbelievable and stuff. I want to hear a little bit from you about what it was that you saw in him. You know, He grew up being a baseball player, didn't play basketball full-time until maybe the 10th or 11th grade. All this, all this other stuff that uh, goes into it. What did you see in him? And then take, talk a little bit about the developmental curve that he had once you got him uh, in the Boston College program. Well, Jamie, you know, for the viewers that maybe have just tuned in, this is their first podcast. This is kind of how we connected, right? Um, you know, over the years in North Carolina in these back gyms, talking about certain players. Um, but we really got talking about Jerome um, when he was coming out of Broughton and through his time, you know, with Ghana Rhodes. And we, you know, both of us, you know, kind of saw the same thing in terms of uh, envisioning what he would eventually become, you know, would turn into, would add his strength, uh, you know, with individual development. And it's, it's a great story for, again, all kids to kind of tune into because here's a kid that played on a team that, you know, right now, I mean, if you, you know, you looked at some of the Ghana Road kids, they were much more highly regarded and ranked than he was. Uh, even at Broughton, you know, there were times Jerome was, you know, counted on, but he was also such a team player that, you know, you really couldn't see how much he could do offensively because, you know, he was trying to do the right thing by what the coach needed him to do to win. And we continue to talk about, trying to visualize where somebody could be within your system through individual development and continued, uh, you know, physical maturation. And the one thing that I will tell you about Jerome is um, he was that guy that you could actually put him in any system and he could get, you know, almost overlooked because his, his, he was the consummate, you know, make the right play type guy. And, you know, because of that, um, you know, he didn't put up numbers at times at AU. He didn't show consistent, you know, um, I'm going to average this many points or this again. All he ever did was fill up the box score and trying to help a team win. And it really was a great story because most every coach out there, um, again, Richmond really recruited him hard as we did, but there wasn't a lot of high level, high major attention. As a matter of fact, several of the people within his circle you know, we're questioning, you know, us and you, and, you know, is he even, you know, an ACC caliber guy? And sometimes as a coach, you have to, you know, take that on the chin. You've got to believe what you really believe. And uh, again, I remember talking to you several times, you know, over, over the phone and in person and about, you know, what you thought. And we always, you know, 
thought kind of the same thing that he was going to be a guy that would develop into something special. And it ends up being the first lottery pick in the history of Boston college basketball. Um, you know, and what a great story for a lot of kids, a wonderful family. Um, you know, he's got some brothers, younger brothers coming up. One of the, I know one of the younger ones too is really into basketball, but um, just a great story, a great kid. And I hope that he gets, he just had surgery on his Achilles. I like to get him on the show some, time so we could kind of talk a little bit more but he's coming back and I'm sure he's going to enter one of these G League programs to get back uh, hopefully on track and be back in the NBA sooner than later but um, again great story. One of the things that that you mentioned there and I don't want to get too far off track but it just jogged my thought process um, obviously this whole part is not scripted or anything um, but you mentioned the fact that he he's such a good team player that when you put him around a lot of talent you know, he, he just, you know, orchestrates everything and makes everything go. How much of his success and development do you think was predicated upon going to the right fit, going to one, a, a, a school or a place that really believed in him and two, a place that forced him to be the man. Like he, he went to Boston college and, and there was nobody to defer to. He was going to have to be the man and the focal point And he would have to develop that mentality in this whole recruiting process, the, you know, going to the biggest level and all this type of stuff. How big do you think it was with the development of him of going to the, the right place, the right fit, the right staff? Right. System fit, right? System fit. Uh, you know, our, our program at Boston College, all of us on staff, um, you know, we had a plan for Jerome Stocks, with, you know, with Coach Christian to all of us. And, you know, our goal was to get him on campus and to really start developing um, what we thought to be something that had the potential uh, to eventually get where he, you know, he is today. But to your point, Jamie, sometimes lost in all of this recruiting are kids that are like Jerome that for whatever reason, for whatever reason, uh, might not have shown as well within a certain system, uh, whether that's AAU high school, uh, camp, an all-star game, just because of the way they're, they're used and the way they you know, go about their approach to the game. When Jerome was asked to be that guy, um, you know, he became that guy. I mean, he said, I think he tied the ACC record uh, on the road. They get 46 points at Notre Dame his junior year. And again, you know, being that, that guy that was counted on to do that for us um, really helped his profile. But Jerome is still kind of the same thing. And even, you know, in the NBA, I think at times right now, you know, I think he gets lost a little bit in the, I want to make the right play. Whereas, Hey, Jerome, you're so gifted on this side. Could you just do this for us? We, you know, and I think, you know, people want him to be that scorer, that shooter, which he is. But, you know, um, just his, his mindset has always been, I want to make the right play to help the team win. And I think that's something that, you know, again, he, he's still trying to adjust a little bit to the NBA style uh, of, of what they need him and what I want him to do. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's so important, Jamie, to be, um, with the right coach, the right guys that believe in you and the right system that fits, you know, what you, what, what that player's eventually going to be asked to do. I love those stories. I, I love ending this stuff in those stories. You know, it's always good to see you have, you have such a track record of, of, of players who under the radar develop into big time stuff, pros, draft picks, um, great college players. The list goes on and on and on. It's just fascinating to hear the back end. Obviously, me being on the recruiting side of things, I love the backstory of players, of how they went overlooked or why they went underlooked. Because everybody's story is different, like snowflakes or whatnot. Um, so I, I just love ending ending all the episodes in those. 
And, you know, let me add this, Jamie. I mean, as much as we've talked and we've shown a lot of different things about the teams and their, and their systems, and then we've broken down their identities on offense and defense, um, you and I both know, um, you know, you win with players, you need talent. And so, again, you know, there's only so many schools out there that you can recruit to the front of your jersey, meaning, you know, the Blue Bloods and the schools that have so much of a, um, you know, a culture or a tradition, whereas 95% of us out here uh, are trying to find these diamonds in the rough um, and trying to identify guys like Jerome. So, again, I know, you know, what you've been able to accomplish down there in terms of uh, finding those type of players. And, you know, you're out working and you're seeing these guys day in and day out. And again, there's no substitute for going out and seeing players because as you know, Jamie, the more you see players, the more as time goes on, you start thinking to yourself, he reminds me of this guy who reminds me of that guy, reminds me of that guy. And once your you know mind gets to that point, you know, um, the evaluation process gets a little bit easier um, because you, you've been in the gyms for so many hours and days and along the way that it just becomes natural for you. And um, so again, that's, that is, that's not a mistake. Anyway, you got to have talent to win. <laughs> no, absolutely. And that, that's one of the great, another great part of this, this episode. And uh, thank you everybody who's listened to this far with us. As we broke down NC state, we went through their personnel. We went through their identities, what they try to do on defense, their concepts on offense um, and went through expectations of players and what they bring to the floor and everything. If you enjoyed this episode about NC State, listen to the previous episodes as well. We're breaking down the entire ACC here um, on the breakdown. This is how we're starting off our college basketball podcast. Later, we will be getting into uh, interviews. We'll be getting into analysis and breaking down the week's events and uh, games and all that type of stuff too. But make sure you go check out the previous episodes, whether you're listening to the podcast or the YouTube. Also, subscribe uh, to us wherever you're listening to, whether it be the podcast or YouTube, the video um, and uh, rate us five stars on the podcast if you would, and then comment section below. Let us know who your favorite NC State player is, what you think about this NC State team, uh, who your favorite all-time player is, what you think about Keats, everything. We want to hear from you. Um, you rating us five stars, you you commenting to us, um, you know, you subscribing helps us out. It helps get this podcast, it helps get this information out to more people um, along the way. But until next time, thank you all very much for listening. I am Jamie Shaw, my co-host Scott Spinelli. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.